Hello everyone and welcome to Hot Yoga Radio. We're having our usual stroll through the hills today. We might be mobbed with sheep shortly. We've just seen uh, four or five sheepdogs and their handlers, the shepherds, marching over the fields in front of us. Uh, they've disappeared now, so we just hope that they haven't herded them onto the track that we're actually walking down at the moment. Anyway, enough sheep talk. And on with the, the subject of today. So we thought we'd uh, have another little crack at Lao Tzu. And uh, we have chapter 58. So do you want to read that out, Pete? And then oh, we'll I will. have a little chat about this I one. Will. Now that we've um, given the uh, agricultural report, <laughs> I suppose we give the, uh, the meteorological report. It's kind of hazy sun and it's nice. Yeah. It's very nice light. It's quite nice because it hasn't rained for a couple of days, so it's actually uh, passable up here right now. Mm. Anyway, uh, to the matter in hand, Lao Tzu, chapter 58. If you govern with a generous hand, then your people will be good people. But if your system is too constricting, then your people will outwit you. Good fortune, we say, can come from disaster. And the reverse is true as well. Who knows where all this will lead? Honesty can flip into deceit in a moment. People trying to be good can fall into the dark, and it can take them years to get out of it. So the sage is like a razor, but he doesn't cut. He is straight as a die, but not pointedly so. He is bright but not blindingly so. So I suppose the first uh, few lines are quite straightforward. Mm. We've got, um, if you govern with a generous hand, then your people will be good people. Well, because they'll be happier, won't they? (laughs) They won't be shivering in their homes, unable to uh, heat or eat. Yeah. Uh, You know, which really pisses people off, actually. And I do hope that somebody from the government's listening to this. (laughs) Um, and then, but if your system is too constricting, then the people will outwit you, and you can feel the, uh, you can hear the sound of the guillotine sort of being wheeled out. The, tum- you know? the tumbril. Yeah. The tumbril heading in your direction. So that's uh, that's kind of quite yeah. uh, self-explanatory in in the beginning there, but gets a little bit mysterious from then on in, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It's it's quite cryptic. This it's it's like so he likes to work through riddles and mysteries and contradictions and tensions and so forth that's his that's his method <laughs> tell out so if he was here you'd say you know well what's your method what's your, what method do you employ to get people to find some sort of beatitude in their lives and he would say oh confusion is my method confusion <laughs> and gonna mess co- with their mind that's right yeah contradiction paradox and so forth but the, I mean, as you say, it starts off fairly straightforwardly. I mean, really, this chapter is again falling into one of the few sort of basic themes that he repeats over and over again. He's kind of grinding away on four or five themes, isn't he? And this is the theme of uh, politics, governance, particularly the problem of governance. What kind of a thing is a government? What kind of a thing should a government be, if it should be at all? I mean, these, these, are quite, these are sort of basic questions of political philosophy being asked forever, you know. Ne- Neolithic people were asking these questions. You know. And uh, 
Lauter is a, is a part of a very, very long and venerable tradition of political questioning. You know, what is a government? What does it do? And Lauter addresses the problem through, through the, the figure of the sage, and the sage either would be a sage king, you know, a bit like Plato's philosopher kings, even though they were quite, quite fascistic his lot, you know. A sage king, or a sage who advises a ruler. You, know, you have the emperor who inherits his title, he might not have much of a clue as to what to do. So he asks his first minister, who's purported to be a sage, you know. And the sage is somebody who's got some kind of a clue as to what's going on. So this is the theme again and again and again, you know. So you have the character of the sage, what the sage does, whether the sage is uh, an actual kind of philosopher king or... or um, sage king or whether the, the sage is an advisor to some kind of ruler or council of rulers or parliament or whatever and this this figure is throughout the Lao Tzu occurring again and again so he's, he's doing this advice to rulers thing you know or saying how the sage ought to be going to successfully advise rulers and the sage is actually this is in quotes on the thing you know the sage is saying to the ruler if you govern with a generous hand then your people will be good people but if your system is too constricting, then the people will outwit you. I mean, if you've got a system, which in fact, we're, like I'll say, a welfare system like we have in this country at the moment, which is just punitive on the people who have to make use of it, because they fell onto hard times. Or the economies fell onto hard times and through no fault of their own, they're kind of struggling to survive. And then if they are then faced with a system that's, that's not generous, but it's actually mean, mean-spirited, punitive, and which treats those people as an internal other, as, as ready-made scapegoats, with which they divide and rule the population in order to play power politics and to retain power, then people will try to outreach you, and of course this is what they will do, you know. I mean, they'll, they'll fiddle the meter and they'll fiddle the benefit. Not, not to be criminal, not for the, the joy of criminality or anything like that, because they have to or die. You know, if people are desperate, they will, go, they will shoplift. Decent yeah. people, decent middle-class people thrown into destitution will, will, will shoplift, will steal. Well, even uh, will decent working-class people. Will prostitute their bodies and all the rest of it. You know, it's people who sort of feel of themselves, their self-image is that they are decent people. They yeah, don't perhaps do, they've never done anything like that before. They don't do criminal... But, but enough desperation breeds antisocial action. I mean, Lao Tzu is just dead right about that, you know. Because you are going to survive, you know. Yeah, especially also if you've got uh, children who need to survive as well. Yeah. You know, you're going to do what more. it takes, aren't you? You'll do what it takes. Yeah. You'll do what it takes. And of course, it's, so he's, po he's pointing that out. So he's, he's, he's saying to rulers, just be generous with the population, you know. Be actually generous. Realise that you're, you know, you're, you're, your job as a governing person, or as a governor, a king, a sage, an emperor, a member of a governing um, uh, panel or whatever, a council, or the member of a governing council or something of that type, you know, that your job is to look after people. It's not to manipulate them to retain your power, you know. And I wish our politicians would take some notice of this. Yeah. And he's right. Yeah, because it's not, it's not going to end well. 
you know, politicians who, who are just... Shitty. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just there for the power and to, and to just basically steal as much money from the poor as possible. <laughs> a yeah. lot, right? Or, or, or to, to preserve and exploit it. It's, yeah, they, it's not going to end well for them because you, no. you can't do that indefinitely. As only, there is only so far mm. you can grind people down before they, you know, what he yeah. says there, they outwit you. They will there's either, you. either a huge crime wave or they kind of rise up against you. Yeah, social unrest. And we're, uh, it's very apposite, isn't it? We're kind of on, on the cusp of a moment like that. And uh, there are great calls on, the, on our government at this time, to, you know, to, to, to be, literally, to be generous rather than mean-spirited. Yeah. And, and they're, they're, they're kind of not able to do it. Their philosophy doesn't enable them to do it. Anyway, let's press on. Good fortune, we say, can come from disaster. And the reverse is true as well. Oh, we know, we know this, you know, this is... The, the old Chang Su story, which we tell uh, on, on frequent occasions, you know, the Maybe story. You know, the farmer's son, because he breaks his leg breaking in a horse, doesn't get conscripted into the army and killed in the war. All the neighbour's sons do. So the son's misfortune of breaking his leg actually saves him from dying in a war. So, you know, it, 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 this is a, a, a Derish thing. You do not know the ultimate outcomes of actions or events... They, they, they don't actually cash in all of their chips until the end of time, do they? Yeah. And that's why he says, who knows where all this will lead? You know, who knows where all this will lead? I mean, and this is a call for modesty on the part of predictors of the future. Something, incidentally, I noticed David Graeber doing, uh, you know, when I, um, when I read his stuff, you know. He says, well, actually, we can't predict this stuff. And, you know, our efforts to predict f futures are generally a bit wider the mark, you know. If you're going to watch 50s science fiction, you know, and they say, by, by the year 2000 we'll have flying cars and all that kind of stuff, you yeah. know. Yeah. Obviously some of this stuff's just kind of for fun, but at the same time, prediction and, and, and appraising the exact sort of good fortune, bad fortune index of any event is just really, really difficult. As I say, things, things don't cash out till the end of time. Similarly, this is in, in, in the line of the existentialist um, idea for, you know, for human life, is that the essence of the life is realised only at the very end. Existence precedes essence. Whereas with a table or a chair, essence precedes existence. The object has the essence of a chair and therefore is a chair. <laughs> you know, whereas the human being doesn't have the essence of a human being and is therefore a human being. Human beings in an ongoing process of living. Yeah. Which which culminates at, at death. And it's only at that point that the that we know what our essence is, which is kind of because we're creating our essence from moment to, to moment, you know. And the, uh, in the, the existentialist formula is um, um, existence precedes essence. You know, we exist and then we establish our essence, and it's, it culminates at the end. <laughs> you know, at the end of life. So, and 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 like Lotus is making a very similar point, and in some sense, it's the same point. Vis-a-vis -vis societies, you know, we have to be a little bit careful with prediction. I would say, and I think he's right about that. Good advice to the 
to the um, to the ruler from the sides there. But of course you do. You need to keep statistics. You need to keep figures. You need to know what's happening at the same time to give yourself a bit of a chance. Give you, you know get get a headwind. You know that's what that's about. It's just sort of practical stuff. And then he goes on. Honestly, can flip to deceit in a moment. People trying to be good can fall into the dark, and it can take them years to get out of it. And I think this is this is very interesting. I think it's kind of slightly bleak view and I don't think he always consistently takes that view but yeah you know people can flip and uh, I mean this was Anna Arendt's point when she uh, uh, went to um, Israel to report on the, 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 the trials of well Adolf Eichmann you know the bureaucrat who, who, who organised and managed the, the Holocaust and she went. To, she reported on his trial for. I think it might have been the New York Times or something. And uh, you know, and the, the question was on everybody's mind: How did these ordinary, good, decent Germans become concentra- concentration camp guards? And that's how I was just doing my job. You know, I mean, Eichmann actually said that I was just doing my job. You know, the ultimate fascist excuse: just doing my job. You know, and, and she sort of comments on this, you know, the, the absolutely ordin- ordinariness of him. She said, I couldn't get out. He was just like a... He, he, was, he was like a, a guy from the back office at the tax, you know. It's, it's, it's remarkable the way she reports it, you know. It's just this guy standing there, just like a clerk, just just doing my job. She, she called it the banality of evil. Yeah. And, and, and that, that is... A, a, a really horrible and dark thing to realise about our humanity, you know. Because uh, those people were so ordinary, and we expected monsters, expect them to have horns, you know. And uh, they're just the frail, the frailty of it, you, you, you know, the frailty of, of decency when 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 you get it, that it, and it can flip. And he's right, but it's very bleak. But he's right, you know. I mean this. People trying to be good can fall into the dark and it can take them years to get out of it. And this makes me think, you know, our current situation again, obviously I keep referring this to now, you know. It's the cosmic right. You know, well-meaning hippies who believe a load of, like, completely um, um, flimsy nonsense, you know, space cadets, you know, they're channeling Metatron when they play the Tibetan ball between the legs or what, I don't know. You know, the kind of real flaky fucking shit, you know. Um, I don't know, people think they can cure cancer by, 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 by muttering a spell or something, you know. And it, but, but mostly harmless. And people who want to be good, people will talk, will talk about compassion and wisdom and sagacity and, and uh, you know, our connectedness to each other. And they'll give you all this fucking spiel. But... The money that the cokes threw at um, targeting these people to get them behind anti-vax and anti-lockdown and any, anything, anything that would actually just divide and rule. And we know that coke money, oil money, big oil money, has found its way into this thing. And that those people are duped and they think they're being right on. They think they're in the vanguard of a fucking revolution. And in I, fact, they're just like working for the, working for evil. They're working for evil. Yeah. They just dropped straight into it. Yeah. Says so you can fall into the darkness, 
and it'll take them years to get out. And I think a lot of these it'll take them years to get because they double down, they're doubling down. Yeah. A lot of them. And I think, see, Lao Tzu, they spotted it then. So it's flimsy and it's, it's, it's a bit terrifying. Um, and it seems like some of his advice to rulers is, is, is do not create the conditions that en- enable this sort of situation. Don't enable it by building up resentment in society, by, by treating people cruel, cruelly in order to, you know, to, to avail yourself of a scapegoat of the poor or whatever, you know, in, in order to do your power politics. This is fucking depraved. Yeah, depraved is definitely the word for yeah. it. So he then goes on, he says the sage is like a razor, but he doesn't cut. He is straight as a die, but not pointedly so. He is bright, but not blindingly so. I mean, again, this is sound, sound advice to the would-be sage, you know, or explaining the sage to a ruler or to, to a parliamentary panel or whatever, you know. He's like a razor. Well, that means he just knows lots of stuff because he's very observant, you know. Deist uh, uh, sagacity, or the notion of the Deist sage, is someone who's... Ex- Extremely alert to nature, you know, or, or kind of put it, extremely alert to what's going on around them, you know. And, and the development of Deist uh, science over, over millennia, uh, but, uh, and the Deist arts, um, particularly the brush painting and so forth, all indicates this, this very fact. This is somebody... Uh, you know, with self-knowledge, because the, the inward of meditation isn't lost on Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu counsels going very, very deep inside in meditation. But at the same time, having this alertness to the processes of, of life and existence and, and nature and the cosmos and the earth, all going on around you, having a very acute awareness. That is what the riser references to, is just to how knowledgeable the guy is. You know, and therefore how useful that is to rulers. But he doesn't make a display of it because it's going to be counterproductive. Really, it's just a simple home truth. You know, you know, nobody likes a clever dick. You know, in a sense. So he has to sort of play it down. You know, it's like a quiet, modest, um, tending to. Go less rather than go more. Where most of us would think, well, intensify, go more, double down. Let's say we would retreat and step back and, and go quieter, be, be more modest, more, more, um, just, just more gentle and, 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 and subtle in its presentation. And again, that's just a piece of practical wisdom, I would say. That. If only I like would uh, would listen to Lao Tzu. Yeah. What a nice what a nice place it would be living here if. Um, <laughs> Which is a if nice they, place. They, they read all of that and like pondered it for a bit. I thought, yeah, well, let's do that. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope everyone found that interesting. Hopefully useful, something to ponder on. <laughs> anyway, we're making our way down the hill now, so we will get on with our walk and we'll speak to you again soon. Make knowledge great again.